The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. This program will provide the groundwork you need to advance your awareness and be involved in the approaching transformation in consciousness. Now, your host, Peter Tong. Hello and welcome to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. We have a very uh, interesting guest on the show today, Judy Hall from England, who was recently uh, given the status of one of the most hundred spiritually influential authors in the world by the Watkins Review. So, Judy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Peter. Good to talk to you. So, Judy, I'm really interested how you how you got that acclaimed position. Uh, you're a very prodigi- prodigious author, do you know actually what happened to put you in that category? I think from what I gathered, they did it on book sales and also on hits on the internet. And so I came, I think, about halfway to the hundred. Wow, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. So it would be great for our listeners to hear how, how your journey began as a show called Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. I'm always uh, interested for our listeners to hear how our guests actually opened up to their spiritual journey. Right. Well, I think mine um, began really as a child. I had a near-death experience when I was four and a half. And I was always very aware of there being another world alongside this one. And I was always interested in crystals, which are one of my main tools. And gradually, various strands came together. I had another near-death experience when... My daughter was born, and I was told then that I had this work to do. And I don't really remember all of the experience. There were four different things going on at the same time, one of which was reliving a death in a previous life. And then I had a guide talking to me and telling me that I had to expand my consciousness, expand my awareness in this life. And I had to use my psychic abilities, which really I had been aware of since I was a child. And I was fortunate that both my grandmothers were very psychic, 
and so I could talk about it to them. But of course, most people around me thought I was utterly crazy because I was seeing people who weren't there. Um, And so I'd kept quiet for quite a long time. And then I went to work in a place that had a spiritualist church at the bottom of the garden. And somebody dragged me in there, literally kicking and screaming and, and saying, you know, I don't want to know. And the minute I got through the door, it was like everybody understood all those things that I didn't really understand myself. And they had an astrology class, and I joined that, and it was an intermediate class, but I just completely understood the astrology without even really knowing what the symbols were. They spoke to me, and they had a healing circle, and they had a development circle, and gradually all those things came together, and I began doing karmic readings for people, looking at their past lives. I was putting crystals on birth charts because the readings I did were taped. And I would put the crystals on to help heal the issues totally intuitively. And then one day somebody said to me, you're doing crystal healing. And I realized you know, that was part of the path. So I've always done this joint path really of crystals and astrology, and one day I was faced with this huge box of crystals that I've been using for years, but didn't even know the names of, and I tried to buy a book, and there wasn't a book which helped me identify them and which listed the properties, so I wrote one, and really that's when the journey began in earnest. So is that the first crystal Bible? It was. I'd written a couple of crystal books before that, um, but the crystal Bible was the one that really took off. And did all the information in that then come from you intuitively? All of it was supported by me and my experience, but a lot of people contributed. As soon as uh, people knew that I was writing the book, the crystal suppliers, and friends all said, oh, I've found that crystal does this, and have you seen this crystal, have you tried that one? And so it grew sort of organically, and very soon people kept um, sending crystals and saying, what do you make of this? And I would run workshops, and we would explore the crystals in the workshops. So it's really been a cooperative effort. And, and you've now written. And you've now written. There's three volumes of the Crystal Bible. Yes, because so many new crystals are coming out, or old ones are being found again. Uh, new things are found, and so I will do um, a volume four eventually. I expect. So it's, so it's really interesting interesting for our listeners to know this then, that from your experience working very closely aligned in resonance with these crystals, this the realization that there are new crystals being discovered and old ones being discovered as well at this time. Yes, and I think what's happening from you know, my experience and from what other people are saying as well, the new crystals 
are bringing in a higher consciousness, a higher level of vibration. And the other crystals, which are reappearing, are anchoring that into the earth so that the new higher vibration is generated and then it can actually be brought down here where we can use it. Now, the, the book that we are supposed to be talking about today, which we will do, but also in, we're incorporating all of your work uh, in, in the show, uh, was actually Crystal Prescriptions. So why did you feel the need to write that one separately from the Crystal Bible? How is it unique? Well, it was interesting because um, I wanted to write it because so many people kept saying, we want something simple. So if, I, you know, if I've got a headache... I can look up the crystal instantly and I can take it to the crystal shop. <clears throat> so we want a small enough book to take to the crystal shop. And at the same time, one of my publishers who published a novel of mine said to me, do you want to write a book called Crystal Descriptions? So it was perfect because he wanted exactly what I was being asked to do. And so that's how Crystal Descriptions came about. And even that has now gone into a second volume because of all these new crystals. And it will go into other volumes because I'm being asked, well, what do I use for psychic development? What do I use to protect against electromagnetic frequencies? What do I use for earth healing? And the Crystal Descriptions is series is intended to be a short, easily accessible guide. And then my other books come, I hope, into more depth the more that I do. Um, I've just done one on one of my great passions, which is sacred sites and the links to crystals. And from that, I've also written one about earth healing. And so it's a progression. And so we, we, I actually want to go back to, to talk to you about the earth healing and the uh, sacred sites uh, later in the show. But just for now, just to give our listeners a little bit of an, uh, a brief overview of the crystal prescription. And if there's any uh, obvious crystals that stand out that people should be aware of, just, just let us know. Well, the book starts with very simple ways to use the crystal placements, putting them on the chakras or laying them in grids around you. And then the rest of the book literally is a symptom-led directory. And there are certain crystals which, we can't, I don't know what it's like in the States and Canada, but in England, you're not allowed to claim that the crystal cures anything. You can use the word heal. So I use the word cure all um, in the, with the awareness that I might get my fingers wrapped. But <laughs> there are some wonderful cure all crystals coming out now. There's things like quantum quattro, which as the name suggests, has got five different crystals within the one. It's got smoky quartz and malachite and chrysocolla. And that 
will pretty much, it will heal a headache, a pain. It will help you if you've got problems with your gut. And there's another one called K-Sara, which is a slightly higher vibration. And, you know, I never travel without one of those stones with me because anything, any ailment that I get, I reckon that crystal or one of those crystals will work for me. I'm not so good with conventional medicine. I'm allergic to virtually every antibiotic and, and every conventional medicine that there is. And therefore, I rely on my crystals. And do you find them really effective for you? Very, very. I've worn them um, you know, for 50 years. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I have tested them for a long time. There are crystals that I use to screen my energies when I'm working. I use labradorite. And it's brilliant for people whose awareness is opening up because it allows you to be aware of what's happening with other people, aware of what's happening on a spiritual level, but it doesn't overwhelm you. Because most people find as they get as their vibrations raise, as they get more intuitive, more psychic, they open up more, they can take on board a lot of energy that isn't theirs, and they can be overwhelmed. So, you know, I've already tested the Bradorite for 35 years. I've tested black tourmaline as um, a very useful anti-electromagnetic crystal. I'm highly sensitive to mobile phones, to computer emanations. They really don't agree with me. And yet, if I wear a black tourmaline or now shungite, which is one of the newer crystals that's appeared, brilliant. I don't get any disturbance. And I can still be aware. I can have that open, intuitive psychicness, whatever word you want to put on it, and I can see energies moving, and I, but I don't get overwhelmed by the experience, and I don't get the negative effects. So we're actually, we're actually coming up to our first break now, Judy, which we'll take, and we'll return with this fascinating discussion after the break. It's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Being Outside the Box is your thrival guide to living outside this reality. Are you always waiting for your ship to come in? Do problems happen to you? What if you created your life rather than sitting by waiting? 
Do you live in the fantasies of this reality? Winning the lottery, waiting for your prince, princess to come, even being healthy? Do you always do what is expected of you rather than choosing for you? What if the rules didn't apply? And what if you could thrive from a different space? Join host Lynn Waldrop for Tools to Being Outside the Box. Listen Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on 7th Wave. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. Thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder to go to my website, www.petertung.com, and uh, look in into all of the work that we're doing in terms of the radio shows. They're all listed there. Uh, the newsletters that come out every month. In fact, my February newsletter will be coming out later this week. And all the journeys through the Landscape Zodiac that we've done. And interestingly with Judy, all the crystals that we have uh, buried in the landscape at different times on the different ceremonial occasions as we move, as we move through the landscape. And also to remember that my um, Thursday morning meditations are now available either live or, or through an MP3 recording um, soon afterwards. And so if you are interested in joining us for our meditations, um, just go to www.petertongue.com to the events page. Uh, this week's meditation is on the transition from the water snake into the year of the wood horse and how that shift in energy and vibration is taking place in alignment with the new moon in Aquarius this uh, Thursday at 1.38 p.m. Pacific and also with Venus going forward on Friday. So it's another potent weekend for us to get these horses out of the starting gate quickly and galloping off into our awakening journeys. I have with me today Judy Hall, and, and at the beginning of the show, Judy was talking about the fact that she had had two near-death experiences that seemed to open up some doorways or gateways for her in terms of her intuitive awareness. Junior, I'm, I'm really interested because I, I know a lot of my guests who've been on the show who have this awareness uh, have had near-death experiences. Are you, do you have a sense yourself as to, as to why or how near-death experiences assist us on this, uh, on this awakening journey? Well, having given it a lot of talk over the years, as you can imagine, uh, I believe that what happens is it actually... Breaks open is the best way that I can put it. Barriers, gateways that would naturally protect us from having too much awareness initially. It's almost like those gateways are there to be opened 
And some people, they open quite naturally. But for others, they need a, a kick, uh, something to jumpstart them. And there's a lot of interesting stuff out there uh, about the chemicals and the brainwave patterns in people who have had a near-death experience and how that changes. And I, I would like to know more about that. I, I've looked at some of it in some of my other books. I write books on karma and reincarnation and that sort of thing. And I've looked at this a little bit, but I really would like to go into it further. Now, you're a very prodigious author, and you've written, uh, obviously, one of the big topics is uh, crystals, but also, as you say, that it's it's aligned very closely with the other work that you do. Um, so, how how are you so prodigious? How is it you can write so many books? How does that work? Um, they just appear, and they also occasionally get recycled, because if one goes out of print with one publisher... I will update it, add all the new material I've got, and add that to the basic. It's it's almost like the books get reborn. Yep. But also, I have other ideas, and I now get approached by publishers. But very often, what they want is another version of the same thing, which can be quite frustrating for an author. So I'm very lucky in that I have a small publisher who encourages me to do new things, different things. And I did the book of why and the soulmate myth with Flying Horse and looked at why people come back together, why the idea of a soulmate may not be what you think it's going to be, and why people take on difficult journeys. And now I'm actually working with her on a book of how you can develop psychically for yourself, you know, a very carefully structured program to help people open up without having to have a near-death experience. Wonderful. So tell us about the soulmate soulmate myth then. What is that? (laughs) Well... I, um, over the years, have met one or two soulmates. And if you go back to Plato, which is one of the first stories, Plato talks about these two beings who were totally joined. They couldn't live without each other. They had four arms, four legs, two heads. And they were mutually dependent and they became very lazy and so the gods sort of tore them apart and they really didn't do very well after that and I think that's people who have karmic connections but they've got lessons and issues to work out and I think what most people mean by a soulmate is what I call a twin flame, which is 
a mutually supportive partnership. Rather than having lessons, they're here to help each other grow and evolve spiritually. And I've been fortunate in knowing a few pairs of people who have managed to achieve this. Some from a young age, but when that has been the case, it's usually been because either one of them had a lot of work to do in the lifetime, or they were here to support a child who had some kind of disability. So they needed to be spiritually bonded in order to support that child. But most of the couples I've met who I would say are true twin flames have met after they've brought their children up, after they've done their first work, which is more in the mundane material world. And then they've started really opening up spiritually. And maybe they've moved apart from their first partner because their first partner didn't want to take that journey or they have done all they needed to do karmically. And then they meet another partner who is there to, so that they grow together. So if people say to me, I'm looking for my soulmate, <laughs> I tend to groan inwardly and take a step back and say, uh, what are you looking for? Exactly. Are you sure about that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm really, really sure. Because, you know, as a karmic astrologer, I would say that 70% of my work is about relationships. And of that, probably 60% is people who say, I thought I'd met my soulmate, but... And then we have to look at why they got together or why they're not getting together because that's another side of it. And then the book of why then... uh you also mentioned is is giving people an understanding of of why they're here in this lifetime having come through previous lifetimes and some contracts that they may have agreed to be involved in yes and also it looks at where a contract may be still running but actually it's outdated so it's what I would call a soul imperative. And it's pushing them along the track, which before they came back, they may have decided to step off and change. And a lot of my regression work and past life work that I do in workshops or with clients has been about the planning meeting before you come back. So it's when you set out your chart, when you set out the issues you want to deal with, the gifts that you've already learned that you want to put into practice. And very often, when we come back, we forget that initially, at any rate. So you're able to interpret this through, through the astrological chart and through your own intuition with the person? Yes. What I do when I'm doing the reading is I always start from the chart. That enables me or facilitates 
my then going in to look at the past lives. So the, the chart sets out a pattern, but the detail of the past life really has to come from my far memory psychic abilities. I think the chart gives you a certain amount of information, but everybody who's got a particular pattern will have something similar going on, but it won't have come out of exactly the same past life, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, Judy, we're actually coming up to our second break, which we'll take now, and we'll come back with Judy Hall after the break. It's Peter Tongue for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you looking to advance spiritually? Listen each week for Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom. Your host, Medium Maureen Allen, will cover an array of spiritual topics aimed to help you advance your soul's desired growth. Each week, areas of spirituality will be discussed and explored ranging from strange, paranormal experiences to heaven, spirit guides, and angels. To learn more about the other dimensions and how to better assist your path of evolution, tune into Spiritual Enlightenment, Advancing One's Wisdom, every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host, Peter Tong. I want to take this opportunity to thank our sponsors for this series of shows, Sherry Chase of Chase International Real Estate Company in beautiful Lake Tahoe and Reno, Nevada, and also to thank uh, my producer, Brandy Jackson, and my regular engineer, Matt, for the great work that they do on behalf of Voice America so that I can bring such wonderful guests to you to help you on your own awakening journey. And one of those wonderful guests I have with me today, Judy Hall, who has been recognized for her prodigious output of of very gifted 
uh, books, some of which are on crystals, but she's also looking at the afterlife, the in-between life, past lives, working with crystals in the landscape, and many, many other areas. And so it's uh, great to have you on the show today, Judy. Thank you for joining me. So I just wanted to ask you, I guess I probably already know the answer, but but I guess uh, when you're doing these astrological readings and you're going into past past life or between life situations for the person, I'm guessing that you're using the crystals in that process. Yes. Um, very often I will find that before I start, I've actually picked up a crystal and put it, because I record, I don't um, see the person face to face because that enables me to work higher self to higher self rather than having the person's expectations in front of me. And the crystal helps me to link to their higher self. <clears throat> I also find that certain crystals, when I work in workshops, help people to go back to look for themselves. And sometimes the crystal that I've been working with when I'm doing a reading, I will actually put in to the package and send it to that person to help them to link. And other times I actually put the crystals onto the chart and then that energetically sends healing or whatever you want to call it, balancing to the person. So it has two fundamental um approaches really. One is to get the information to the person, but the other is to help them heal any issues so that they can then move forward. And the crystals are invaluable in that process. And another part of your work is actually working with crystals in the landscape, and you wrote a book called Crystals and Sacred Sites. So just tell our listeners a little bit about how that works for you and what that book includes. Right. Well, for many years, I found I was intuitively placing crystals in the landscape or being asked to take certain crystals to certain sacred sites. And, you know, I live here in Dorset in the middle of a very ancient sacred landscape. We're on the furthest edge, really, of the heart chakra Zephyrby Heart Chakra. Up the road, I have the Dorset Curtis, which is the oldest and the longest sacred way in this country. Uh, the other direction, I have Knowlton Circles, which are a prehistoric henge. So I'm sitting in the middle of a very sacred landscape. All the local graves actually have beautiful pieces of flint in. I'm very fortunate in that we have a local archaeologist who has his own museum. And you know, I go up there and psychometrise flints and pieces of um, different types of stones that have been found in the graves. So I was aware from the, for a very long time that flint was a portal stone for this area. And because I don't like to fly, I was also working etherically 
by journeying to other sites. And I, I noticed that or it was brought to my attention that certain crystals facilitated that journey. So it was a journey out of the body. And whenever a new crystal was sent to me, if it was from a very specific location, I found it would very easily take me there. And so gradually I started using maps or pictures of sites and making these connections. And I think Priscilla's Bluestone was the one that really brought it to my attention. Now, you probably know, and I'm sure a lot of your readers will be aware of Stonehenge, and that the central circle at Stonehenge now is Priscilla's Bluestone, which was brought 250 miles from Wales with the builders of Stonehenge. Very paramagnetic rock exudes energy, especially when planted in chalk, which is what Stonehenge is sitting on. And it was like the builders brought their own healing stone with them because Priscilla has older sites than Stonehenge healing sites, and it has wells where water was collected from the stones and used for healing. So I found that by using bluestone, not only could I go to the Priscilla's or could I go to Stonehenge, I could travel to many places and many lives and look especially at the gifts. So I really wanted to write a book that enabled people to visit these sites without having to physically travel. So it was a sort of armchair journey, if you like. <laughs> and I was very fortunate in that Fairwinds Press in America did my 101 power crystals and were interested in this idea of using the crystals linked to the sacred sites. But what was fascinating for me was the sites that I thought when I was plotting and planning the book, thought that I would include, half of those were included, but other sites put themselves into the book. It's the only way I can describe it. And so what we ended up with was a very sinuous earth energy line going all around the world and linking up certain sites, some of which were very ancient, some of which were much more modern, but which were emerging as focal points to sacred energy. So I started with the Circumpolar regions and the Inukshuk, who big stone figures who've been built to walk across the landscape. And that started because I bought one of these figures. I saw it on, I think it was, I don't think it was eBay, but it was on a site. And it suddenly, I just had to have this stone. I didn't know about them walking on the landscape at this time, and it was a serpentine figure. And I ordered it. And the guy I ordered it from said, what's going on? <clears throat> I've had four people in England order one of these today. 
So I think they were making their presence felt. You know, they were in the zeitgeist and they were saying, it's time to take your attention to us. And I then discovered that actually in Afghanistan, some of the Canadian soldiers had built one of these inukshuk as a memorial to their fallen comrades. So that was a new sort of sacred site and a new link that was made. But then that figure who sits on my desk told me where to go next. So we went down to Lake Louise and then we went down to Manchester and then we went to Sedona. And I think, oh, you know, we're, we're following this sort of backbone of the Rockies. And then we jumped to Pipestone and to the use of Kaplanites and, and the way that the American nations used that stone and journeyed to that place, which was a place of peace. And it was almost like I was led. It was. I was led from there to New York. And I'm sitting there going, what am I going to write about in New York? And the Twin Towers came up as a site. And, then, and again, it was linked to peace and bringing peace and reconciliation. And the Herkimer diamond stones that are found in Herkimer County, you know, not far from New York, were saying, we're the link. And they're incredibly energetic stones anyway. So they could make us literally leap across the Atlantic to Newgrange in Ireland which is a very, very ancient megalithic portal. And from there, we went to Glastonbury, the heart chakra, and then we went to Stonehenge. And the stones literally carried me on this journey. They would arrive in the post, or they would suddenly pop out of a, a bag, or they'd fall off a shelf. <laughs> you know, they, they led the journey. There's no doubt about it. So the Inukshuk, so the Inukshuk was most of the main um, religions in in the world as well, which I thought was quite interesting because I hadn't set out to do that. So the Inukshuk was was actually was literally walking you across the necessary connecting dots of the landscape across the globe. Mm, absolutely, and the places <laughs> I'd never even thought of. I mean, we um, we then there were a couple of places where. I'd been like a, a dervish techie in Turkey. And I thought, oh, you know, I can understand that because I've actually been there and knew what the energy was like. But then I jumped from there to Bori Island in Senegal. Now, I used to live in West Africa, but I'd never been to Senegal. But that was to the house where the slaves were sent to America from. And that has become, I discovered, a shrine for people who, know, who have no idea where their ancestry came from in Africa, they've made Gory Island the place that they go to to honour their ancestors, their unknown ancestors. Wow. And that came about by simply a book opening, a book I've had for a long time, never seen this picture before, and there was the House of Slaves in Gory Island. 
and my mutilated quartz that I had brought back from Africa from the mine where I lived when I was young uh, and where I um, was pregnant and, and that resulted in my second near-death experience. So, you know, there's a lot of resonances there. That belongs with Gory Island. And it continued like that. I mean, we, we ended up with 30 sites linked by this very powerful energy and going around Egypt. I mean, I have to say, it's my favorite place on Earth. So, Judy, I'm going to hold you there for a moment because we'll, we'll, let's talk about Egypt after we've taken this final break and how all this linking these sites together makes sense to you and what it's really all about. It's uh, Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation. The Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. Do you want to reach your highest potential in your personal and business life? Come and join our heart-centered community with Peter Tung and Sherry Chase. Embrace love, abundance, integrity, and personal empowerment in a safe and sacred space for your awakening. Our intention is to lay the groundwork for you to advance your awareness efficiently, to be fully involved in the conscious co-creation of peace and prosperity on our beautiful planet. Go to MyHeartCenteredJourney.com for more information. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. Listening to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with Peter Tong. If you have a question for Peter or comment on this series, please send an email to descendingdove at gmail.com. That's descendingdove at gmail.com. Now back to our program. Welcome back to Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation with your host Peter Tong. Have with me today, Judy Hall, who is a prodigious author and has been recognized as such by the Watkins Review, which uh, says that she is one of the top 50 or so most influential spiritual authors in the world today. So, Judy, just let our listeners know how they can connect to your work and uh, the website and your books. Right. Well, the website is www. 
UK and all my workshops and books are listed on there along with how to get a comic reading. The easiest way to buy a book is to go on Amazon. Now, I know a lot of authors slam Amazon because we don't get much income from them. But I love them because they get all my books out there. <laughs> so there are links from my website to buy the books on Amazon. Or you can order them in any bookshop and they will get them for you. And it's all about spreading the word rather than money, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. And that's why I've got two Facebook pages, which I don't keep myself because, you know, I've told you I won't bore the listeners with the difficulties of living in a Dorset village and not having very good internet. <laughs> right. So I've got yeah. a friend who keeps, and my daughter actually helps with my Facebook pages. So there's a Crystal Bible Facebook, and there's also a Crystal Judy Hall Facebook page. And we have actually more people from America uh, contacting us on that than we do from anywhere else. So I think that's probably been found by a lot of Americans, but you know, we welcome everybody. And I try to put on there some of the work we've been doing, the workshops or photographs of grids, and I'm just going to put uh, quite soon uh, a healing grid for Egypt on there. Because back at the beginning of last year, I took a healing journey to Egypt with some friends for and we did it on behalf of a friend of mine who had a, a rather nasty throat cancer, which has now healed, I'm glad to say. But that is on my website. That, there's two um, parts to it. That healing journey is on my website. And out of that came this need to heal Egypt and what's going on there at the moment. Because I feel... For me, it's my spiritual home anyway. Um, Sekhmet, who is the lion-headed goddess, was the, the sort of major heroine, I think, of my first novel and dictated that novel to me. And she is the goddess of healing. She's also the goddess of destruction. And she talks about that cycle of things breaking down so that something new can emerge, and I think she, she very much is the goddess of this shift of consciousness that we're experiencing. And so she had to go in the book. There's the so, most amazing six-foot-high statue of her in Karnak Temple. And she's a big, tall, black battle figure. And when you go in, the guardians uh, open up the top so the shaft of light shines down. It's, it's you know, pitch black and then you see this light and then they touch your hand through all her chakras and believe me when you finish doing that you are buzzing <laughs> so she had to feature in the book so just before the break you were going to talk a little bit about Egypt and, uh, and, and the significance of it and how it fits into these sacred sites that basically revealed themselves to you around the globe, which obviously are not on a straight line. As you said, you jump from place to place, but they're obviously all interconnected and Egypt is part of that. So so what is your sense, your understanding of what that line is all about and, and why it came to you? Well, I think to, to understand that, we need to go back 
to what it was like in ancient Egypt uh, spiritually. And I, I think for so many of us, that is where we did a lot of opening up and honing of our spiritual gifts in this current cycle of incarnations. You know, I think we have much older cycles of incarnation, but Egypt with the temple and the understanding that they had of different levels of being. They didn't see the soul as one entity, for instance. They saw it as having many parts to it, and those parts could travel. And they saw Pharaoh as being able to travel. It was a very shamanic religion. And I think, really, modern Egyptology is only just cottoning on to that. But I feel that's where I learned many of my skills, including the landscape. And there is the, the piece in um, it's Herodotus um, where Egypt and the Nile is the Milky Way on Earth. And it's, it's very much about as above, so below. And that's where the Hermetic text um, about as above, so below came about. It's where alchemy started as well, or at least um, in this current cycle of incarnation, alchemy was a very big part of ancient Egypt. And so, to me, it's like Egypt even now carries that knowledge. So all you've got to do is tune in. So in the book, I talk about going into the pyramid and being able to reconnect to that knowledge and then going up to Setmet and getting the power back and that spiritual power and then going to Mount Sinai, which is the other site. So there's three Egyptian sites. And it's plugging back into ancient spiritual currents that are now being transmuted, transformed, brought up to a, a higher level of vibration. And maybe it, it's actually returning to a level of vibration that was known back then because all these things are cyclical. And I feel that's why Egypt is so important and the monuments are important. Not because of their art, although it's, it's amazing, but because the ancient Egyptians actually imbued their stones, their temples, their statues with the energies of the gods. And the energies of the gods were the energies of the planets, they were higher vibrations, they were spiritual. And that, to me, it's almost like that's where we can plug back in. And that's where all the Earth's energy grid, crystalline grid, whatever you call it, we can plug back into that. And then that energy grid, which I've been working on repairing for a long time, and I know you've been doing the same, if we can get that energy grid back into perfect harmony, I think the most amazing shift of consciousness can occur. 
Judy, that's a great place for us to finish. We do have to close now. But I just want to let you, let you know and let our listeners know that on Wednesday, February the 26th, Robert Bavar will be on and he'll be talking about his latest book, which is called The Vatican Conspiracy. And in that book, he talks about exactly what you've just described, uh, Judy, which is the bringing of the energies from the gods down into the structures, which actually were constructed by Benini and his cohorts in the Renaissance period right outside the Vatican, doing exactly the same as they did through the Hermetic principles in, in Egypt. So that's going to be another interesting show. And I just really want to thank you, Judy, for today. You've done a wonderful job, a, a, a really broad look at uh, the consciousness events that are taking place on the planet now, the incredibly important role that crystals are playing. So thank you so very much for your time today. It's been my pleasure. I've enjoyed it very much. Hope Good. Thank you. Again. Thank you. Whew. My guest next week is uh, Sarah Beek, who will continue this uh, theme around the embodying the sacred feminine, the real sacred feminine, not the feminine that the male patriarchal want us to believe is the sacred feminine, but the actual, real, true, authentic sacred feminine and Sarah has gone on a very challenging journey herself to reveal the truth of this and so I'm looking forward to that show and I really enjoyed today's show with Judy I hope you did have a wonderful week it's Peter Tung for Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation We hope that you found this week's show to be enlightening and inspiring. Please join host Peter Tong for another edition of Awakening to Conscious Creation next Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Noon Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network.